Hello and welcome to the Pep Talk. You're here with your two favorite bald frauds, Sam and Jason, talking all things Manchester City. Jason, how are you doing today? Yeah, man, good. Very, very good. It's a, it's a happy, happy Friday day for me. Um, and yeah, keeping keeping well, City are winning. What about yourself? How are you going? Um, so I think we should just... I think we should scrap the name, the pep talk, and just name this the Jeremy Doku podcast. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> well, well, when Pep leaves, we're going to need a new name for the for the <laughs> for the podcast. Anyway, so just go to Doku from now. <laughs> Doku cast. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, the way he's playing, geez, you know, we we've got the best Belgian player, but I think now we've got the second best Belgian player. <laughs> oh yeah. He's just absolutely incredible. Let's just jump into. Let's start just with the, with the section on Doku because he's. I mean, okay, two games were really going over Bournemouth and uh, Young Boys midweek. I mean, Bournemouth one goal, four assists. I know one of them kind of wasn't an assist, but it's still <laughs> like it. But still, one goal and four assists. And just it's absolutely, absolutely dominated the game. It was basically the, the Doku show. That whole that entire game against Bournemouth was the Doku show. And every time he touched the ball, whether he'd be on the left or the right, you just knew something was going to happen. And I think that's the biggest thing with Doku and why he's so exciting is as soon as he touches the ball and he's like facing up against his defender, you go, oh. Here we go, here we go. And you just get you you're getting ready for that excitement that he's gonna bring. Um and I think I think what makes it even more exciting is it's something that we've kind of lacked a little bit in the last two years. So like really only Mares would take on their men, but Mares is a bit more predictable in which way he'd go and how he works. Um but no one not since Leroy or Sterling did we have someone with so much pace while while having this dribbling ability. So yeah, man. Is a what a signing, by the way, by Cheeky. Like for what sixty million euros? That's yeah, fifty five million. In a world, in a world where wingers are going for eighty five, ninety million, like Anto- like, like you could say comparable Mudrick. type of signings. Yeah, An- yeah, Anthony Mudrick. I- I'd say um, I'd say the most the most like like to like signing in the Premier League would be Mudrick, right? Who, you know, the hype around him was very, very rapid, very fast dribbler, can go either way type of player. And that was kind of our expectation when we first signed him, right? Like, it was like, yeah, he's going to need some time. He'll, you know, he'll bet in, you know, he'll be back up to Grealish and Foden and Bernardo. Even even Pep said, like, in yeah. his press conferences, like, we need to be patient with this guy. It's going to take him some time. <laughs> yeah, and then and then two games later, he's just doing fifteen dribbles a game successfully and creating chances for everyone. But yeah, his decision making. Yeah, that this is this is the thing that's like really really surprised me. Like I I knew going in he'd have good dribbling ability, but I just didn't expect him to have such good decision making. He makes the right decision almost every time that he dribbles past the player. So he knows when to go. That's 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 one important thing. And we realized that very early. He knows when to go. And, and the stats back that up because 
to have successful dribbles and a high percentage, it means you're making the right decision of when to actually dribble. There's some players that will just dribble every time they touch the ball and then they'll, they'll lose it, you know, two out of three times. So their percentage goes really, really low, which makes them, in my opinion, a, a low IQ type of player. But Doku knows when to go every time, right? So even when he's unsuccessful, you go, okay, we'll live with that because he's done nine successful dribbles before this. And the second most impressive part that's starting to show now is he looks up and he places the ball with the right decision, whether it be a pass or a shot. That is incredibly, incredibly amazing from a player of his ilk and with his age as well. Like, he's 21. Yeah, I think that's the the crazy thing is that... So, one, it's... And this will improve, like his decision-making when he gets the ball. So sometimes, like, you need to pass it off quickly. He's not as good at that, but whatever. That will come with time. Like, Grealish Mm. is very good at that. Like, getting it and just passing it off right away, like a through ball around, you know, his defender, something like that. That's fine. Doku gets it, and he's immediately like, I'm going to embarrass this guy, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's immediately. But then his decision-making from that point is perfect. And... It's not just like whether to go inside or whether to go outside. He's very good at that because especially on the left-hand side, like you said, he can go both ways, um, inside or outside. But also, like, he he's not the type of winger who, like, beats his man outside and then just, like, blams a ball in the box and hopes somebody gets on the end of it. Exactly. He actually exactly. picks somebody out with his weaker foot, by the way, with his left foot. And... He just he seems to always find a guy, or he at least has the vision to know where he's going with it. It's not just like a blind flash it across the box and hope somebody gets on the end of it. It's it's yeah, it's yeah, a real. He's got a purpose. Yeah, his technical ability with passes has really really surprised me. I, I thought I thought that part of his game would take at least a year or two to develop properly, where. You know, you start seeing the typical type of, you know, pep winger um, passes. But no, he he's, he's gone straight in and we've only had him for two months and he's doing absolutely mental things. Four assists in one game is... So, I'm pretty sure it ties the Premier League record for one game, right? So, no one's ever got five assists in the Premier League. I'm not sure about Division 1 history, but Premier League history, that's, that's a record. So, he's tied the record for most assists in a game um, as a winger. Right, you'd expect Kevin De Bruyne to have that type of record, but no, Doku's up there. So <laughs> he, he's definitely got to be on the list for young player of the year, if not player of the year. Like, I think this is what's crazy too. He's two years younger than Phil Foden. Yeah, like that's yeah, how mental. old he is. It's the same age. He, him, and Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer is three weeks older than him. Do you know that? It's mental. Absolutely yeah. mental. So, so it, I, it's, made, it's made the sting out of Palmer going completely like irrelevant. Like there's no sting there at all. Like you know, at the time of the transfers, happened, it's like, oh, all right, well, we saw Palmer out for Doku. Okay, cool. Like you know, fair enough. Palmer wanted to go to get more minutes, um, and you know, they basically paid for each other when you think about it, right? So Palmer out for forty, yeah. yeah, Palmer out for forty-five, Doku in for fifty-five. I yeah, I take that trade every day of the week at the moment. So, so I. 
I'm make I I made a new class of player that I like to call oh no players. Okay. <laughs> and I, the reason I call them that is because like for when you see somebody get the ball, especially like a winger isolated against the fullback, and your your first thought when you're playing them is oh no, like this isn't good or oh shit, you know something yeah, like exactly. that. There are very few players that I legit get really worried about. Okay. This is the play. I have five of them. Messi, Vinicius, Mo Salah, Mbappe, and Doku. In no order, by the way. Uh, that's yeah. not in that order. That, but that's a good that's It's a good just list. like, those are guys where you're like, like, if you see Mbappe and he's isolated on your fullback, you're like, oh, shit, this isn't good. Same with any of those guys. Like they just they scare yeah. the living hell out of you when when but for, for they me, have a ball Mo, in a dangerous lit position. For me, that's Mo Salah. So Mo, Mo Salah used to like as soon as I see him like one on one with one of our defenders, I'm like, oh fuck! Like that, that's yeah. my, my that's my instant reaction. Like honestly, it is because it happens time and time again, and almost every time he scores, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I feel with Vinicius, and that's. Even when Kyle Walker like locks him down and has the mm. one of the yeah, best exactly. defensive games of his life, I'm just like, you just get so worried with Vinicius anytime he touches the ball past midfield, really. And, and then Messi, obviously, like Messi, the second you go against him, you're like, ah, oh, shit, this isn't good. Like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Doku does fit that 100. If uh, it would be a good question to ask opposition fans after they faced him, like, how do you feel every time Doku touched the ball? And they'd probably have a similar similar reaction, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, you just see, he just puts these guys in hell. And then going on to Young Boys, comes on in the 80th minute and completes six out of six dribbles. That's wild. Isn't that not yeah. crazy? Seven seven attempted dribbles in ten minutes of action. Oh, seven. Okay, so six out of seven. Six out of seven. Yeah. S- still, <laughs> it's it's almost what it, it's almost like an eighty five percent completion rate, and to, to to attempt seven dribbles in ten minutes that's like absolutely mental when you think about it. Yeah, that's almost, a, that's it's, impressive it's almost, to attempt that in the whole yeah, game. It's almost a successful dribble every sec every two minutes <laughs> in ten minutes of action. Yeah, I mean, he has just, he has given this team another dimension that we haven't seen before. And that's why, that's why I love him so much. And especially this year, I think that's why the whole like refreshing the squad is so important. And also why we shouldn't freak out when there's a player who is not the same profile as the other players, right? Yeah, You don't want a bunch of the same player. Yeah, th- there was a lot of a lot of um freaking out when Mara's left, right? And then you add um, Palmer going, and you know you're losing those goals and assists on the wing, and it's like, okay, who's going to replace these goals and assists? So we knew we needed a winger, but there was a lot of worry at the time, like, oh, who's gonna, who's you know, are we gonna bring in a, a young kid to replace Mara's? How's that gonna go? You know, where's the goals and assists gonna come from? And then you see what Doku's doing, you go, okay, that's that's where it's gonna come from. So you you got to give credit to Chicky. Garristein, right? So Cheeky's and even Pep gave him credit in his press. This is a cheeky signing. This is not a Pep. Yeah, it's a it's a cheeky signing. It's it's Pep wouldn't you know Pep doesn't wouldn't go out and find this type of player. But you got to give credit to Cheeky. You know, 
I, I, even at the time when Doka was first signed, a lot of a lot of the concerns was, you know, he's injury prone. He's still very young. He's still very raw. You know, attempts to dribble too much, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you can see how good the our scouting department is, where they tie certain statistics and then try translate that how it will fit into our team because every team plays different, right? So statistics and data and scouting, etc. You look at a player, go, oh, okay, it looks good, but how good would that player look in our team? And that's where your football director and your scouting department has to be so 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 good and so in tune. And you can see how how City's structure allows them to sign these type of players, right? So, just to give you an example, Antinet Man United doesn't fit how they play, and they didn't really like they had Sancho, right? So, it, you can see the different um, the different priorities in how a team builds their team and how they try fit a player to their system. City are fantastic at this, and you've got to give credit to. Not just Chicky Bergeristein, but all the all the people underneath him and all the all the all the processes and steps they have in place before they sign a player, right? So, the, you know, in the Pep era, we've only had a couple duds, right? So it's been, and you can you can name them on, on one hand, right? It's Claudio Brava, who's who was a thirty four old goalkeeper, um, you know, with with always the intention of being a temporary signing, right? Because he was thirty four and was. Is that even a dud though? Because he was a very good backup for us for years. Yes and no, because he, he the first year he was meant to be our starting keeper and he was absolutely fucking shit in that first year. So yeah. I'd say I'd say it was a dud because he was meant to be a ready to go goalkeeper at thirty four years old. He was never gonna get better, there was no room for improvement, etc. It was you're meant to come in and perform and he basically let in every every second shot was was a goal essentially. Um, yeah. so you you could classify that as a failure. The only other failures are Nolito, right, who stayed one year and then we got most of our money back. The other one's Ben Mendy, who had three bloody in- knee injuries plus uh, a core trial. So, we let that six years literally sit on our, our books and then expire. And and Phillips, that's the only really bad signings we've had since 2016. That's seven to eight years worth of signings where you say we've nailed almost every single one of these. I'd even yeah. push back on Nolito because, like, we signed him for super cheap. Yeah, like, it, was a, it, was, in, yeah it was the same with Brother, the- right? They're both and, cheap. Yeah, but Nolito was like, what, 8 million or something like that? Like, Bravo was like 15, which back then for a keeper was quite high. Yeah, I think uh, Nolito, I think Nolito was like 11 or 12 million. But no, the yeah, same thing with Nolito was always a temporary solution as well. So, like, I yeah, think the, but the club Nolito, at the time realized Sane and Sterling were very young. They needed an extra winger just to be a bit Nolito of experience. Nolito was okay. He just. Yeah, he, he just, just hated Manchester. Know. He hated the rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he only lasted a year. <laughs> he was just a squad player. It's no big deal. But but, but but exactly as I said, like right. So like even even the four bad signings, you can look at two of them and go, eh, two of them are not so bad. And even Ben Mendy wasn't so bad. In it, it's just a hindsight, ben, thing, right? Yeah, you know, well, Ben Mendy you, was like he got two catastrophic injuries. Yeah, and and in, and and in the six games that he played, I'm exaggerating, but in the six games that he played, he looked fucking amazing in those few, for few, first few weeks, right? Yep. So in reality, from a profile, from a character, from a, all those attributes that that I'm talking about, in reality, only Phillips doesn't fit, right? He's the only player that's come in and. For a year and a half now, looks absolutely fucking lost when he plays. Looks like a, a deer caught in the headlights <laughs> type of situation, right? And he's already there's already talk of him going in January because of that, right? So 
you know, to have one failed signing, you got it. Like, and this is what I get when I see commentary about like Chicky Bidegarestein is not doing his job. It's like, please sit down. You know, we've won five out of six Premier Leagues. We've won a Champions League. We've won multiple FA Cups. We've won League Cups. And every year, the squad performs at a high, high, high level. And we haven't made mistakes in the transfer window. So, props to them. And they found another another gem, another player that just goes... Like, I, I think in two to, two to three years, we'll look at Doku and say, what an absolute bargain. He's the, probably one of the best wingers in the world. And it wouldn't surprise me if he is considered a top three winger in the world but in two, three years' time. Would not surprise what? me at all. So, I remember when I first scouted Doku, I was thinking, like, why Why is this guy only going for 55, 60 million pounds? Like, we'd heard about him when he was 17 for Belgium, like lighting it up, right? And then he goes to Ren, seemingly decent at Ren, got injured a little too much, but... Um, he was seemingly decent, and I thought, this doesn't make, like, you'd think, and I remember even us talking in our in our group chat with a couple other guys, we immediately thought, when we were linked to Doku, we were like, oh, this guy's going to be at least $80 million. Mm. And Yeah, yeah, it was very surprising. He wasn't, and he wasn't, and so that was quite surprising. And then in terms of, like, cheeky, right, because a lot of people say, oh, well, the reason everybody's so good is Pep, right? It's not cheeky. Well, it's got to be both. It's, it's not both. one it's or collective. the other. Yeah, it's a Obviously, every team misses on players, right? You just want to limit those misses as much as possible. And it's basically been limited, like you said, to Calvin Phillips during the Pep era. And part of that is definitely due to Pep, right? Pep makes everybody better. He's probably even made Calvin Phillips better. Maybe not good enough for City, but Calvin Phillips, <laughs> I'm sure, is a better player right now than when he got here. 100%. And the, there's a reason, like, a bunch of big teams want him, right? And so still, He's still an English English international. Yeah. He still, and so, he still almost starts every game for England, even though he doesn't play for us, which is crazy. He, yeah, he just got called up. And so, yeah. um, like, when people say, like, oh, it's it's Cheeky who's doing it or it's Pep who's doing it. Well, it's both. Like, they have to be in sync. Cheeky knows what they need for Pep and Pep knows what he wants. And and obviously, like, I think there are players that Pep insists on, right? Like, I think Mateus Nunes might be one of those guys where Pep's like, I like this guy, go get him type of thing. Yeah. yeah but yeah. also, they're, like, Pep has the trust in Cheeky in the scouting department to go get guys because Pep isn't a scout. Like Pep, Pep has his own job to coach the team. So Pep exactly. can't go out there watching like league uh Ren games to see if he likes Jeremy Doku. Obviously he'll need to sign. Like if he says categorically, do not get this player. I don't think they would do it, but um, yeah, like, he has trust in cheeky and yeah. it doesn't work without both things doing very well without Pep coaching really well and without Cheeky and his team scouting and doing the business very well. It's a stability thing as well, right? So we've had, you know, six, seven, eight years of stability. Cheeky, Cheeky and Suriano have been here for longer, right? They've been here since 2011 or 10, I think. So that's 13 years of stability at the top. And then you've got Pep Guardiola who's been here for eight years now. So like you add all these things up, you get stability, you get, uh, it becomes easy for, 
for both the scouting and the team to understand what they need, right? The same thing with that Kanji signing last season, right? It was an f- absolutely brilliant under-the-radar signing, right? A lot of people have kind of like forgotten about that signing. That signing happened like on the last or second last day of the window. Last and it season. came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. Came, we didn't even think nowhere. we were signing anybody. Came out of nowhere. Pep went to Chiki and said, I think I need another center back. I think I need another defender. And he got him that center back for cheap. And it proved to be vital for how we played the entire season last season. It is you can credit you can credit the the treble almost to what that signing. I, I don't think maybe we don't win the treble without Kanji. And that's Definitely not. He's played hard, almost every game. Yeah, it's a hard thing to say, but we wouldn't be in the position that we were in towards the end of the season without a country because a country played every game. Like we had so many injuries in the beginning of the season. Like Walker was out for like three, four months, and then we had um, Diaz injuries, Nathan Stones injuries, Nathan Ake. Like, injuries, Nathan Ake injuries. Like we had so many centre back injuries. So to have to to do that signing and to have the trust. The trust between the manager, the the you know, and Cheeky, and the football directors, and and the finance department, all of them, all of them being in sync, it's a it's a credit to the stability that's been built over the last six, seven, eight years, where they know what they need. They don't like the scouting team would probably know what Pep needs before he even says, "I need that player." Right? It's it's one of those things. They'll get together, say, "Okay, let's have a look at the team." They break it down, they, you know. The same way we do it over on Twitter, where we break try break down the team. I'm sure they do something even better and more complicated than what we do. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, they, they'd have to, right? So they know what they're doing, uh, and and you basically to end to end this conversation is trust in cheeky. <laughs> like, right? That's he's proved it time and time again, and he, with this Doku signing, he's done it again. Yeah, I mean, Doku. With with this signing and like I was saying before, like he's something completely different that we already have. And the same with like Kovacic and, and with Nunes as well. Like they're all very different from the players we have. And yep. that's why I like it. It gives us variety that we may not even have had in the past. Like I love Cole Palmer, but when you look at him, does he really give you anything that we didn't already have? Right? Like yeah, with Foden, with Bernardo, with even McAtee or Oscar Bob, he doesn't really give you anything that City didn't already have. Like he's he's not he's he's very similar to Foden in the way he plays, but Foden's just much better. And that's not a that's not a knock on Palmer. Palmer has is showing he's a very good player at Chelsea. Like he's already maybe Chelsea's best player, but. I mean, Foden's like a generational player. Palmer would have been our worst player and he's Chelsea's best player. Just tells you the levels we're at. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's not a knock on Palmer, but Doku is a completely different type of player. Mm -hmm. And the, the freedom Pep gets to choose between Grealish or Doku, who are both very, very good in completely different ways or not even choose. Maybe he puts Doku on the right and he's got both. Maybe he puts Grealish centrally and he has both. So it gives us options. The, that's the, what, that's the options are, thing. yeah. Yes. That's, it gives and us that's what it comes down to. Yeah. It comes down to having players that can play multiple positions and have multiple areas of strengths and, you know, some other players, like, like you said, with Kovacic and Nunes, right? They've got their weaknesses, you know, not the best 
creative players. They're not the best scorers, but they do a lot of other things that are really well. And then it's about Pep fitting those into a jigsaw puzzle to make it work for the said opponent. Right. So let's talk about them for a sec. I mean, both of them kind of combined. What did you think of Kovacic in both games this weekend, Nunez and Young Boys? Um, I'd say Kovacic is never going to score. <laughs> so you can, that bet of mine with yours is going to continue. <laughs> I, I said, I said he'll score one goal all season. And then I seen him take a few shots and it was like, maybe he'll score zero. <laughs> he's, like he's, he's just not that type of player. Like, and, that, and that's fine, right? He's not, he's not a, he's not an attacking midfielder. He's like a, a first phase midfielder, right? He's going to be sitting in, in the deep, creating from there progressing the ball forward either with his dribbling or his or his passing ability but i don't we didn't need him to score we've got harlan we've got doku we've got Grealish, we've got foden we've got alvarez we've got plenty of players and kevin de bruyne when he does come back but we've got all these players that can score for us i don't need Kovacic to score for us so as long as he does the other things well then yeah i'm happy same thing with nunez I, you know nunez he does good runs into the box he's doing you know he's trying to be that that outlet as a midfielder, but again, it's something that he probably needs to learn and get better at because, you know, when he's playing for Wolves, how many, how many, how many opportunities really is he going to have to score? And that's, that's something that's changes when a player comes to city, right? They need to develop different skills and different strengths because we have more of the ball, which means you need to be able to pass the ball better, et cetera. It's the same thing with Doku, right? Maybe people didn't know his Doku as much because at Rene, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't have the ball as much. So, you don't notice him as much. But at City, we've got the ball all the time. So he's attacking time and time and time and time again. It makes a difference. I think, especially with Nunez, I think Kovacic is 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 doing well so far. Like he's he's tidy, he's good in tight spaces. That's really what we got him for. I think he'll get more goals. Uh he won't he'll never be a prolific goal scorer for City, but he'll contribute some goals. I, uh, think I think, I Nunes, think he's, got a, he's got a head block in front of the goal. <laughs> I think so. The way I the, the way I kind of look at Kovacic just in general is like he's got a very high floor, but a somewhat limited ceiling, right? Like he's never and going to be fine. like best midfielder in the world, but he will be very good, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But also like the floor is very low. Like he'll never be shocking. Like since he's come in, he's a very solid player that gets the job done. Honestly, kind of reminds me of like Nathan Ake type of like he's never he's he's not usually a ten out of ten, but he's never below a seven out of ten. And I think that's kind of the player Kovacic is. Um, with Nunez, I think his ceiling is high. Whether he'll get there is a different thing, but but I think Nunez will become a scorer. Like, he looks more comfortable in the box. I know he hasn't scored yet for City, but he looks more comfortable in the box. I think it's a matter of time before he yeah, starts scoring goals. I agree with that. I, if, if you ask me if, I, if you know, my life depended on who I'd want to score a goal, either Nunez or Kovacic, I'd still pick Nunez. And like you said, it's fine where Kovacic is at. You know, he's a 30-year-old player. He's not, he's not going to... We're not we're not reinventing the wheel with him. We know we know where we've got what we've got, right? Nunes still has a lot of, lot more potential because, like I said, different system, different style of play. He'll improve. Nunes is a good player. He's like he's got potential. There's a, very, a lot of potential. There's some things like I thought he was very good in, at against young boys. Like 
a lot of people really were upset with him because of certain decisions. Like he's not going to be perfect now, but you see why city signed him. I don't think it's very rare where you see a midfielder just glide past people the way he does. Like it's almost like he's a winger, but in midfield where he's just like stands them up and just runs right by them. Like he's got, and he's got intensity. He's all over the midfield. And once, like once he really gets a hold of Pep, his decision making around the box, like that's a thing where once he runs through, it's like he's got a couple options to place a through ball or whether to shoot or kind of where to go. That's going to improve. But he's like he's played for Pep for two months now. You know what I mean? Like two and a half months. And there's a lot of games, so not a lot of practice time. He will get much, much better. Okay. Yeah. And but you see just the raw skill that he does, like kind of like Pep said when we when we signed him, that he does things that you cannot teach. No coach can teach. He's got skills that are just natural. That's a coach's dream. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with that. For me, for me, Nunez. I, I kind of don't like seeing Nunez and Kovacic in the same lineup, just because they do so much of the similar stuff. Um. But in reality, the only time you need both of them on the field is when you're resting Rodri. So you kind of do need him because clearly Pep's not going to play Phillips. Ideally, if we had a, if you had a, a proper backup mid, uh, defensive midfielder, you you could play that backup midfielder with a Nunez or a Kovacic. But for me, you know, when when Rodri's not playing, you kind of have to play both of them in a way. Yeah, I think with time we'll be able to play one of them. It's just. It's a really hard position to learn. Like, Rodri didn't get to a very high level until maybe two years after he signed. So, yeah. It, it's funny. You know, the, the, it's funny how the Kovacic, the Kovacic Nunes combo reminds me of that first year with Rodri when a lot of people complained about Rodri and Gundogan being in the same lineup and he used to work terribly. It gives me that same vibe. <laughs> so, yeah, it could be a time thing. Yeah, it, it'll it'll just take some time, but I think they'll get to the point where they could deputize at the six. They're never going to be Rodri, right? Yeah, but I, I think agree. we'll get to the point where they will be solid enough at the six to where you could play them. Yeah, I, I feel. I, I think unfortunately the trial by fire game was the Arsenal game, and they they both didn't look great in that game. But, but even then, but that's, like, but that's, a, that's City a was pretty Arsenal. even with Arsenal. Yeah, but that's credit more to Arsenal as well. Like they're they're a tough team to play against. So, but even then, like we're missing Rodri, and we basically were even with them. Like they got a deflection goal. That's really like yeah, oh, yeah. yeah like put, Arsenal outplayed City. Yeah, you put Rodri and and De Bruyne in that game, and we probably blipped them <laughs> as yeah. we usually do. It's one of those things. Um, talking of uh, defensive midfielders, um, let's talk of our Rolls Royce midfielder in uh, John Stones. So John Stones picked up a, another major injury, unfortunately. So he's going to, it seems like he's going to be out for a while again. Um, not much detail. I'm assuming it's again, another hamstring, hamstring injury. You'd assume so. Cause that's, that's the, that's the muscle injury that's bothered him. And Pep said it's happened again. Um, what's, what I'd be curious to know if he's doing surgery similar to De Bruyne. So is it a three to three to four month injury or is it a is it a six to eight week injury with a hamstring injury? 
that's that's where the worry comes in and how this is going to impact our team going forward because yeah it's a, it's it's a major blow for us right i think that city need to operate on the assumption that we will not have john stones and i it's say easy. that because I think just in general, like when was the last time he stayed healthy for a full season? Like when was the last time, even just yeah. if he got a but, knock but, or two, like he's always out for at least a month during yeah, any I, season. I think the only season he played the full season was 2021 where him and Diaz looked an unbelievable pair. Yeah. In uh, that Champions League run to the final. Um that combination did really, really well that season. And that was a lot of it was obviously Diaz, but a lot of it was in part Stones just being fit for the whole season, right? And and being mentally there. But unfortunately, yeah, he does get injuries every season. Even last season, he was, I think he had an eight week period out between December and February. Um, but he, yeah, luckily, yeah. luckily, he was injury free towards the end of the season, which where, where we did need him. Uh, but yeah, it's unfortunate again that we're in this situation. Yeah, you could argue he may be our best center back, right? And that's that's arguable between Guardiola this year and Diaz. Like, they're all – like, John Stones is world-class when he's fit, right? But I, I would, the I simple call fact him the, is – I wouldn't call him the best center back. I'd call him the most versatile center back that we have. He's just a raw – But maybe even uh, – he's – but even just in defending as well, he's – he doesn't oh, make great. errors like he used to. Yeah, he's great. He's probably the best on the ball, either him or, or Guardiola. Like he's he's so good. Anyways, he's he's world class, <laughs> and it's kind of like Kevin the Kevin De Bruyne thing, where like you you just can't count on him being fit, and so it's a luxury when you have him, and he'll be great if he comes in. But it's I think irresponsible to assume he's going to be fit for a full season. And yeah. I think that City's squad planning is going to need to adjust. Now, whether that's bringing somebody else in January or just bringing somebody else next summer, that's that's kind of up to Cheeky and them. And I think that's honestly not surprising why we heard uh, City connected to potentially uh, Mark Gahey from Crystal Palace. Because he's you know, England international. He's been a very solid young center back, decent with the ball at his feet. Like it wouldn't surprise me if city went for another center back just because it's really hard to rely on John stones. Uh, it's, it still would surprise me if we did go for not without a departure. Like I, I think you'd have to lose someone to go for another center back just because we do have do you, five. At, we have five at the moment with John stones. So, well, the thing is though, but, but we don't really have fullbacks, right? So when you look at the defenders, right, the quote-unquote back four, you have Kyle Walker and you have five center backs, and then Sergio Gomez, if you want to count him, and Rico Lewis, who's more now of a midfielder than he is yeah, he's, he's not a fullback. <laughs> so essentially you have six guys for four positions that really play lots of minutes. I think that's, a, that's probably one person too light. And it also depends yeah. on, I know City That's may bring in uh, Valentin Barco, that left back from Boca Juniors, but who knows how much he'll play too. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if City brought somebody in so that you have 
essentially seven guys for four positions. Because, you know, if you think about it right now, John Stone's down, you have five guys for four spots. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I I feel like, for me, Gavardio... I think we're going to need Gavardio to learn that John Stone's role that he does. I think he's the best suited because he's he's so good with his feet and so good with passing. That I think Pep's maybe reluctant to do it this season just because he's only been in the team for two months. Like, let him learn from a position that is comfortable. Um, but we may we may have to speed up that process in my mind because I, I always thought Gavardio would be a good candidate to play that you know, that role next to Rodri then drop back into as a center back. Maybe we need to do that again. That's that's an option to help us replace what John Stones, John Stones gives us, right? Because in reality, when John Stones is in the lineup, we play in the most unique way and no one really does that. We've seen a Kanji try it and it hasn't looked the best. It's not, it's not perfect. We've seen Rick and Lewis do it. It's also not perfect because... Coming from a right back into into midfield is a bit harder than going from centre back to, to to midfield. So yeah, it, it, unfortunately, right now Stones is the most reliable for that position. It's such a unique unicorn type position that even if you buy someone else, I don't think anyone else can do it. And that, that's really what the strength that Stones gives you, right? It's it's that uniqueness in how we play because no one else can so, do it as well as him. Here's a couple questions, right? Well, first thing is a comment. I actually think Gvardiol shouldn't learn that, and I'll tell you why. I think the position he's at right now is perfect for him because it's a center-back, left-back hybrid. He is probably the best center-back we have in the final third other than John Stones. And just like him roaming, him just controlling that left side I, I think he's tailor-made for that. I think he's so good over there that I wouldn't want him in the middle. Now, maybe if, you know, if he wants to deputize sometimes, then that's different. But just he adds another dimension to building up and just, like, dynamism. Because you're basically getting a left back and a center back all in one. And I, I love that. Um, but in terms of here, here's the question. Would you not want? Uh, would you not be happy with like Ake, Gavardio, Diaz, Walker, for example, and then Gavardio playing that central position, going up with Ake on the left? Like that could work. It right? could. It, I'm sure it could work. But I would rather have Gavardio going up the left, and I think we've seen it with Pep. Like when Pep plays Gavardio and Ake, Ake plays centrally. Like he's not yeah. the one on the left, and I think it's because Gavardio like. His ball carrying is so good that yeah. and that's how you want to progress the ball is up the sides. Like that's where the open space is. So I would rather have that than him just receiving the ball and passing it off. You really get that ball carrying down the sides. Um, here's a question in terms of replacing what stones has brought to the team with his ability to step into midfield. So against young boys, we saw a weird type of formation. I don't know if you picked up on it, but without Rodri, Pep played a diamond in defense. Not a diamond in midfield, a diamond in defense, right? He had Diaz, then Stones in front of him, 
And then Walker on the right, and who's Ake on the left, or Gavardio, who played in that game? I remember. I think it was Gavardio. Uh, it's Gavardio. Okay. Yeah, so, Gavardio, yeah. And you had Lewis in midfield as well. Yeah, but but Lewis, Kovacic, and Dunez all played higher. Like, normally it's a 3-2 in defense. This was like a 3-1. But it was kind of, it was more of a diamond than anything else. It was really a diamond defense. And I don't think Pep will do that often because you're going to want five to build up rather than four for most games. I think it's okay against young boys, but most games you're going to need another one. But do you think that Pep would get Rodri to do that? Where we kind of play a diamond. Rodri is part of the quote-unquote back four, even though he's in possession, plays in midfield, and really doesn't play at center back until City's in their own third. Do you think Pep would do that? It's an an interesting question. Um, The only reason why I'd be hesitant is kind of similar to what you you just told me about Gavardio, right? Like, Gavardio is so good on the left that you don't want to move him out of position. And I think the same would apply to Rodri. He is so good in that midfield, defensive midfielder role that taking him out and putting him into a different position to cover for John Stones would in a way hurt hurt us more than we'd, we'd gain from that change. He might do it in, in like small, you know, small areas or like, you know, certain times or et cetera. But I don't see him going in a game with that game plan as a, as a yeah, let's do this, right? It could be like do, do it in a pinch. You know, I've got an injury or a, or a yellow card or something like that where you do a substitution late and then you have to change it up. I could see him doing it in a pinch, but I can't see him doing it as a tactic from the start with Rodri starting in midfield. Because for me, Rodri, you know, He's the best defensive midfield in the world by some distance. So, in a way, taking him out of that strength of position could harm us more than we could gain from moving him. Well, the the reason I ask is because he's essentially doing the same thing in possession. Like he's he's a defensive midfielder in possession. That's John Stones was like a pure Rodri six in possession against young boys, and then. So really what you're the what you would be sacrificing is Rodri in defense. Like he would he would probably be a little deeper once City got into their own box. Because even Stones kind of stays in midfield when City are pressing. And then once kind of if the press is broken and City have to kind of drop back a little bit, is when he becomes a nominal center back. Right. So Correct, that's yeah. really where you're only getting Rodri. As, as sort of a different role. But in possession, he doesn't really change. Like, he, he's going to be a six, like he has been. Yeah, so he could play. He could do it. I, I just can't see him using Rodri as a center back, like I said, unless we're in a real bad pinch. That, that's, yeah. like, that's, how, that's how I think about it, right? Because he's so good in that midfield, you, you still want Rodri to be higher up, right? Than sitting in center back. We've had Roger play center back a few times, but it's very, very rare. Yeah, but I I agree it's very rare, but I also think this is a different type of thing because, like, he's essentially like a hybrid defensive midfielder center back type where it's more like we're playing three defenders and Rodri's just kind of like... To give us an overload and sl- attack type of thing, yeah. 
Yeah, Rodri like kind of just drops back in defense if needed. I don't know. I don't know if Pep will do it, but I would be surprised to see if this was sort of a wrinkle because he's missing Rodri so much, uh, or because he's missing Stone so much. And like Akanji, I think can improve in that role and and do a job. He's not Stones, but I think he could do a job there. But I feel like Rodri could be really good doing that. And it doesn't, it kind of doesn't sacrifice the attack. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll depend on the opponent. Maybe he'll he, like. Y- yes, in reality, absolutely. In, re- in reality, young boys were never gonna give us much trouble, right? I, I think the stat, the, the stats show zero shots, zero shots on target, right? So they didn't even get a sniff of our goal, um, and and the red card didn't help that. But even up until forty five minutes before the red card, they still didn't have a shot. So even eleven versus eleven, they didn't have a shot. So, yeah, in, in, in certain games where we know we're going to absolutely dominate the game and dominate possession and control the game from start to finish, yeah, maybe. Could be an option. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, let's move on to another player that stood out against Young Boys uh, that we feel like gets underappreciated a little bit. I know that's kind of been some talk around City about that recently, but... Phil Foden, we sort of like forget how good he really is. Yeah, look, Foden's one of those funny things, and yeah, to me, he's he's at that level where he's a world class player. But he's been here so long that people forget how young he is in a way because he started here at seventeen. Like, I think he scored the winner against Spurs in twenty eight. No, twenty. Yeah, it was twenty eighteen nineteen. Eighteen nineteen. Eighteen nineteen. Right. He did. He did. He did that little header, and he was like, he looked. He looked like he was seventeen years old or eighteen years old. He, he looked younger because that's how Foden looks because he's he's a smaller guy, etc. But <laughs> to me, it, it's one of those things where he's been here so long, people forget how young he is, and because we've heard his name for so long, he's become an integral cog within the within this Pep team. He does get underappreciated for those reasons, right? And then the the criticism that he gets, I feel like it's sometimes unfair in a way because of because of these attributes that are that are on him. And then you've got the added the added benefit is that he's so good that he plays multiple positions across across the team. Like what we what he, what has he played for us now? He's played left wing, he's played false nine, he's played striker, he's played right wing. He's played midfield. He's played left back. He's played left back. He's playing. He's played attacking midfield. He's played an attacking midfield in two, like with Alvarez. So he's done multiple positions, right? It's kind of like Bernardo. Same thing with Bernardo. Bernardo is an underappreciated player, or not not from a city perspective, but more from a from an outside perspective, where he doesn't get the plot the same plaudits that that maybe other players do. It's because of how versatile they are. They play in so many different positions across this lineup. There you go. Okay, what's like? I'll give you an example. Like Vinicius Junior. You know he's a left winger. He's gonna do the same thing every every single time. So you, you, he earns that recognition as you know one of the best left wingers. But if you ask even a City fan right now, what is Foden's best position? What is Bernardo's best position? You'll get kind five of, different answers. You get five different answers, and so what ends up happening is because of yourself not knowing what's his best position you don't know how to rate him 
as a player. You just know he's a good player, but you just don't know how good he is because you can't say, yeah, Foden's the best right wing in the league, right? You can't say that because he doesn't play right wing all the time. So how can you say he's the best right wing in, 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 in the Premier League when he doesn't play that position every game? It's the same thing with midfield. You can't say Foden's, you know, the, the best attacking midfielder in, in, in the world or in, in the City team or even the Premier League because of those reasons. And so, and that's the reason why you feel like that underappreciation. But for City fans, you, you just got to always remember these are these are Swiss Army type um, players, whether it be Foden or Bernard. And I think these are the two most versatile players in our team. Like, Haaland, you know, he's playing striker. Grealish, when he plays, you know, he's playing left wing, right? Even Doku, to a certain extent, he's 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 playing left wing. Same thing with De Bruyne, Rodri, you know, Diaz, Walker. You, you kind of know what positions they're going to play when when the lineups are released. The only time sometimes you question where a player is is honestly Foden comes Bernardo. to Foden, Bernardo. Yeah, comes to those two players. You look at the lineup, and go, uh, which position are they playing? And if they're both in the same line, they could literally be in the same position, right? They could both play right wing. They could both play left wing. They can both play. Pep has switched them. He switched them so much where he'll have the exact same lineup, but he'll have Foden centrally and Bernardo wide, or he'll have Foden wide and Bernardo centrally, just depending on kind of what the team needs. And that hurts hurts their appreciation, right? They get underappreciated for Uh, those reasons. See, I disagree. I don't think that's why Foden... Bernardo's a little different. I think Foden. I don't think that's the reason Foden gets underappreciated, and I'll explain why. I would say many of the best players in the world you could say that about. Like when you ask somebody what's Lionel Messi's best position, you'll get a bunch of different answers because you could say false nine. That's when he was the best under Pep, but then he didn't play false nine ever again. Right? He was a right winger. For me, it's right wing. They would play a, right? Or they That's would play how, a four I, two. I, I recognize Messi as a right wing. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people remember Messi. Messi's absolute best season, he was a false nine. Like mm. his his he's a, he's a record breaking player, yeah. his record breaking season, he played false nine. And then also in a lot of Barcelona's best games, he was more of an attacking midfielder in a four two three one or a second striker even at times where he was kind of a a second striker who would drop a little deeper. So my point is, is that I don't, and and not just him, like look at Mbappe. What's Mbappe's best position. He plays everywhere along the front three. He's, and he's really good at all of them or, but but Mbappe again, prefer, he even said himself, I like to play left wing and that's my best position. He wants to play left wing. He prefers that, but he doesn't always like, He's played striker for the last couple of years, and he's been world-class. He was a right winger when France won the World Cup. So he's good everywhere. Obviously, like players will probably prefer certain positions, but you don't look at Mbappe and think, oh, he's only a left winger. Like The best players play multiple positions. Even Vinicius right now, he played like Ancelotti has him as a second striker. Uh, and I think he's trying to... I think that's actually Inchilotti trying to develop Vinicius by getting him to not just be so one-dimensional. But I think – tell me what you think of this. I think there may be a sort of – I wouldn't say bias, but 
I think they're harder on Foden because he's an academy boy. Like, I think if City bought Phil Foden for 70 million pounds from Crystal Palace, there would not be the same. I think, like, the fans are just a little too hard on him. Like, when he has a bad game, everybody's really quick to point it out. But he's been incredible this year. I've heard, I've heard that saying before, you know, it's a money thing and it's a, because he's an academy boy. I, I don't know if I agree with that, though. I don't think that's the reason. I, I still think it comes down to him being – he doesn't have a set position. It comes down to that. And that's why I feel like he gets more criticism and it also hurts him in a way in, in a way because it doesn't, he doesn't have a consistent position that he calls his own. Right, so you're playing multiple positions across a season, so you're never gonna become absolutely perfect in that position, right? It's like it's it's and and maybe maybe it does tie into the the money slash academy thing. You know, if we bought Foden for a hundred million and he says I'm a right winger, do you always play Foden as a right winger because he's got that price tag attached to him? Maybe that could be an attribute, but uh, do you, would that become a pep problem or would it become a a fan? way of looking at things. Is Pep utilizing Foden in this way because he doesn't have a price tag? I don't think so because he used the Bernardo in the same way, right? So Yeah, I, don't I, think think, I don't think that's why Pep uses him the way he does. I think Pep uses him the way he does because he knows Phil Foden is really, really good at a lot of positions. And he thinks tactically sometimes that Phil Foden in a certain position is better for one game but in a different position is better for another. Yeah, I don't that, think that, that hurts that, his development. Yeah, and to me, that that's a credit to how good Foden is. Yeah, but oh again, yeah. But but again, from a from a casual or from a from a fan perspective or from an outside perspective, they will get underappreciated because he doesn't have a good position. Like I see, I see comparisons of you know, you know, sh- you know, crappy Twitter uh, or X now things on that you see where people are comparing Saka to Foden, right? But they don't, are they? Are they the They're same? Completely type of player? different players. Yeah, They're exactly. Completely not, different players. It's not really a fair comparison because Saka plays right wing. That's the only position he plays. That is his own position. You know, if you bring Saka into Man City, he's going to play right wing. You put Foden in any team, he could play multiple positions. If he if he was in- playing at Arsenal now, I think Arteta would use him in next to Odegaard. Right? He'd he'd use him in that role. You right? know who put, Foden kind of reminds me of is Frank Lampard. I, I think he's a very similar type of player to Frank really? Lampard. That's yeah. an interesting shout. Uh, I think Frank Lampard's a very unique midfielder, but Fo- Fo- I, I don't think Foden's like a hybrid winger slash attacking midfielder slash. You know, I think has, has I think moving forward we're going to see him very. I think we're going to see him much less on the wing. I think. I think if anything, he's on the wing much more this year because. Out of necessity, we only have two real wingers. Yeah, but, like, but, but but we kind of say this every season, Sam. So like for me, I, I every season we go into the season saying Foden's year to play in midfield, and it just doesn't happen. He's played, he's probably split his time this season right now between midfield and and attack. But once De Bruyne is back, what happens? I don't even think he split his time really. Because I'll tell you why. Even when he yeah, I think plays, so. I, I think he's played half half right now. I'll tell you why. It's because even when he plays right wing, a lot of the time 
Kyle Walker is high and wide, providing width. And that means Foden, even though he might nominally be a right wing, he's playing more inside. He's not out there hugging the touchline like a normal pep winger. I think it's only it's been maybe one or two games this year where he's been a very traditional wide hug the touchline winger. And the rest of the time, he is far more centrally. And I think it even it even speaks to when Kevin De Bruyne got injured in the Champions League final. Who replaced him? Phil Foden. And it, he and Pep could have easily said, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to bring on Phil Foden. I'm going to prove Bernardo centrally. And I'm going to play Foden on the right. But he didn't do that. He but put again, Foden but again, centrally. That could be, like you said, depending on the opponent, he puts Bernardo and Foden. He switches them around, right? In that game, we needed Bernardo on the wing for whatever reason, right? So he still doesn't have a best position and we go through every season. Like, I'll I'll tell you something right now, right? If we go into next summer and buy Florian Wirtz or Musiala from Bayern Munich, right? If we buy either player, they're going to need to play in midfield because that's their position. Who drops out, Kevin De Bruyne or Phil Foden? Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. I think Kevin De Bruyne's nearing the end anyways. I think he's like John Stones where you can't rely on him to stay fit. He is, but in the biggest and game of the season, you're still going to put Kevin De Bruyne if he's fit. Maybe. If he's fit, that's that's a big if. You know I, what I I'm saying? I, like, I don't see a world where Kevin De Bruyne is on the bench for Phil Foden in a, in a game, in a massive game, right? Like, I don't see it happening. Unless if, between, if he's fit. Un, unless between now and then. I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking in a, in a world where Kevin De Bruyne is fit, right? We've still got two years of Kevin De Bruyne. We need to consider this, right? So, again, Phil Foden is not going to get the opportunities we expect them to get in midfield. It's the same see, thing. It's, I, and it's the same. It's the same thing with Alvarez, right? When even if you take Kevin De Bruyne out, do you play Alvarez or Foden? Do you see what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where Pep still doesn't put Foden as a tier above all the other players in the team as a midfielder. And same thing with right wing. He can. He can choose. He doesn't have a set position. That's what hurts him when it comes to when it comes to Phil. And that's that's what I feel. Yeah, I, I take that point. I disagree, but I we we're gonna agree to disagree on this. And there's no, you know, like this is all I'm speculation, wrong. right? Like this <laughs> is all I'm speculation, <laughs> right? Like these are both of our real educated guesses more than anything. Like I I do think that for whatever reason. It's almost like, and I can't speak for somebody that's from Manchester, right? I think that's, I think it's different when he, because he's local, you see him differently. And from what I notice is I see extremes one way or the other when it comes to like the homegrown academy boys. I see either like they overrate a player from the academy and they want him to play because he's a local boy or they underrate him and they just assume he's not good enough. Because he's from the because he's a local boy, you know what I mean. Like I, you see both. Like a lot every year, you see it where it's like, oh, Cole Palmer needs to get in the team. Well, if Cole Palmer's not good enough, he's not going to play. And that there, you know, we hear with everyone with Luke Mbete or with uh, um, Taylor Harwood Bellis. We heard it like, yeah, these guys need, need a chance, right? They get a chance. There turns out. If you're not playing with the team, you're probably not good enough to play with the team. So right. 
Do, do, do me to give I you think some, it's some, one way or the other. Do you want me to give you some minutes, by the way? Because I, I looked it up on where Phil Foden's minutes have been. So that there's a there's a good website called Smarter Scout, which actually, you know, they put the actual position that the player played and they attribute minutes and, and stats to that position. So he's played a hell of a lot of positions when you actually look at his player profile. You know, for a, for a player that's 23 years old, he's played literally left back, defensive midfielder, left mid, left wing back, central striker, striker, left wing, right mid, center mid, right wing, cam, secondary striker. Like he's literally played every position that you can think of, right? In this season alone, he's played 1,100 minutes in the what you call an attacking midfielder slash second striker position, right? So your typical 10 role where, that him and Alvarez have been playing a lot this season. So a, a thousand minutes, you could say, right? At right wing, he's done 550 minutes this season. So he has played a fair bit of right wing already. Um, and left wing this season, he's played surprisingly very, very few minutes, only 68 minutes. Yeah, but that's like that goes back to my thing of a lot of the time he spent on right wing, he was more of an inside right winger. Because Kyle Walker was the wide right. So, yeah. like, his yeah, his position may nominally be right wing, but really he's a lot more centrally. Like, oh, that's no, so, kind so, of the so, positions he takes up. Yeah, so the way this works, this this on a smarter scout, the way it works is it's basically the position you play, not just nominally, but where you are on the field. So, they actually use heat maps and stuff like that. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like, it's like a minute-by-minute minute, um um, scouting thing that they do, which is it's a, it's a really good tool. I kind of use it. It's it's good to understand where player plays. So, but, but but just listing all those positions is crazy enough, right? You know, for a player of his caliber to play that many positions and that many at, at 23 years old is absolutely mental when you think about it. And I think that's what hurts him. For me, that's again, that's what I think hurts him when it comes to the the underappreciation that he gets, right? Yeah. So, let's move on. We got Chelsea this weekend. How are you yes. feeling? Um, I feel like the game against Tottenham is going to give them a bit of a, a bit of um confidence. Um, but to be fair, Chelsea are absolute dog shit when it comes to being in front of goal. So knowing knowing Man City's like they'll score off their first shot on target as as uh, as tradition. <laughs> no, but on a serious note, I'm feeling quite quite confident for this game. It shouldn't really be a problem for us in terms of just going to Stanford Bridge is always difficult. And I feel like Chelsea do better against teams that play a bit more open slash They've basically played better against the big, what you call the big six or the bigger teams this season than they have against the lower teams. They struggle against low blocks, right? So you kind of, you can't, can't, you can't really look at their performances and and how they play and etc. by looking at their position on the table. It's still Stanford Bridge. It's still going to be a tough place to go, and I think it'll be a tough game. I don't think it's going to be. A, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park at all. No, definitely not a walk in the park. But what does make me feel better is watching their finishing against Tottenham. Their finishing is horrible. I, like, like, I was the way I was frustrated for them. <laughs> listen, the way I like that Chelsea Spurs game. I watched the second half of it when Spurs went down to nine men. How Chelsea, like, 
if that was City and Spurs went down to nine men and played the way that they played with that high line, Erling Holland would have scored 36 goals in that game. Like, <laughs> yeah, legit, legit, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I would have loved, I would have loved to have a game like that for City. That would have been amazing. They fluffed, they fluffed so many chances. Like Chelsea messed up so many, and they won four to one in the end. I know if they that scoreline score flattered, yeah, that scoreline flattered them. Jackson scored two goals, ninety first and ninety third minute, I think, or something. Like no, that. Jackson had a hat trick. Jackson yeah, yeah, had a hat trick. No, he did, he did. But yeah. I'm saying he, the two the two goals oh, yeah. that made that made the scoreline look flattering. Like up until the 90th minute, I think it was two one to Chelsea, and Spurs, oh, and Eric Dyer scored a goal that was ruled off sides. Like yeah. they could have easily been two two. And Son missed a very good chance. They had, they had another header that like just missed. Like they had good chances. Like up until that point, up until the 90th minute, that two that four like that like final score of four one flattered them right so oh yeah so yeah like you said chelsea absolutely are mental when it comes to <laughs> being in front of god like I couldn't believe Ni- it. nicholas jackson scored three tap-ins for his hat trick okay like legit tap-ins mm-hmm. okay and he still underperformed his xg <laughs> he had like 3.4 <laughs> xg for the match so <laughs> Like, I, Chelsea is a much better team. Pochettino has really made them a much better team. Like, when you look at their performances, not just the results, look at their performances, they are playing really well. Like, they are a much better coach team than they were under Graham Potter, than they were under Frank Lampard. He's getting a lot more out of these guys. But I think City's just going to be too much for them. I don't think yeah. they're there yet, and I think City is just going to be a little too much. Yeah, you'd hope so. Look, Reese James is back, and and Reese James does make Chelsea a much much better team. They are they look already a much better team just with him in the lineup, right? He just gives them he gives them a different dynamic that they don't, they don't usually have, and they become a lot more defensively solid. Solid, but you know, depends if he can stay fit. <laughs> he's he's worse than John yeah. Stones when it comes to, to fitness. Yeah, and and what if he has to go against Jeremy Doku? He might break his ankle or something. That is an interesting <laughs> matchup, honestly. <laughs> uh, it's a, the curious thing is if he, Pep goes with Grealish, who he plays against bigger teams, especially away, or does he go with Doku? I think it's criminal or, not to go or with both. Doku. Or I both. Think, I, th- I think he needs to go with Doku. I don't think I don't think I don't think it'll be both because you you have to put Foden and Alvarez and Bernardo in. So I don't think it'll be both. But for me, Dokun deserves deserves another game after that Bournemouth performance. In my mind, like you just have to give him another game. <laughs> you have to. I agree. Um, but yeah, look, the way it's going to be a tight game. I don't think I don't think we're going to blow them out, right? And. It's just the nature of going to Stanford Bridge. We always have very tough games at Stanford Bridge, regardless of how much better we are, right? We usually always win like when we win there, it's like one nil or you know, two nil or something. We we never we never ever blitz them at Stanford. So I'm not expecting I'm not expecting anything like that. Um, but I still think we should win that game regardless, right? Like you just gotta look at our form. And and where we're at now, we're top of the table, uh, and we've got in my mind, probably one of the toughest stretches that we have for the rest of the season. So we've got Chelsea away, 
Then we've got Liverpool at home after the break. Then we've got Tottenham at home. And then we've got Aston Villa away, right? So you're playing, you know, three of the top five teams in the league and you've got Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, right? So that's a very, very tough stretch of, of games. So you need to pick up at least 10 out of 12 points for these four games, right? So you have to start strongly against Chelsea. You have to. I, I can't believe we have another international break. Sucks. <laughs> you know what? It, in a way, I'm, I hate international breaks, but I'm kind of looking forward to this one. And and it's kind of good that Stones and De Bruyne are injured at this time of the year because because of the international breaks, you kind of you don't really miss that many games when they're out. So like you look at De Bruyne, right? He's missed eleven Premier League games so far, or ten Premier League games because he started the first one. You know, to miss only ten games so- with a, a four month injury and then potentially be back. In a month's time, that's pretty good. <laughs> to only miss a quarter of the season, it's pretty good. So looking forward, you know, this far into the season, we're what, like a third or a quarter of the way into the season. Do you think anybody's going to challenge City? Like really challenge City? Um, I've, I've, I've said I don't think anyone's at our level and I still maintain it. Like we, we've played... From a Premier League standpoint, we've played two games without Rodri, one of them being our toughest game in Arsenal away, right? Which we which we did lose, and we haven't had Kevin De Bruyne for any of these games, who is also again one of our best players, and we're still top of the table. I'd say Liverpool—they're the only team that I could see going the distance. I don't know. A lot of people look at Arsenal and I look at Arsenal. I don't think I don't think they're a better team this season. I think they're a worse team. The 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 Jacka the the Jacka into um the Jacka into habits is hasn't been a successful transfer at all. They they they've, they've like missed they missed the beat there, right? To pay 60 million pounds on a player like that who has looked absolutely horrible and out of place in that team, they've missed a the beat there, I think. So, they're going to they're regret that signing. I think they already are regretting it. Um, and then you add Declan Rice, but Declan Rice has kind of taken part of his position. Yeah, he's a slightly better player, but is he giving you that much more? Is he, is he ticking you over the edge? I don't think so, right? And and Party's been injured, right? So, when Party does come back, what is he giving you? Like, I, I've seen Arteta starting my right back to start the season. And that looked horrible. He doesn't. He doesn't look like a right back that can play in central midfield. Like he's not that type of player. No, party. So, I think. It, yeah. No. So to me, I, as much as people want to look at Arsenal as a contender, I think they're just too emotional. Like that whole, that whole blow up after the after the Newcastle <laughs> releasing game a statement about the refs. statement and yeah, like. We've, City have had some really bad decisions go against Hold them. on, hold on. Just look at United About last this. season. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear it from our... I'm going to go on a mini rant here. I don't want to hear this, okay? Look. <laughs> I, I watched four minutes of that game, okay? Four minutes. I turned it on, and the first thing I see is Kai Havertz going studs up into somebody's knee, okay? And not only does he not get a red card... Three Newcastle players get a yellow card for arguing with the ref. So I don't want to hear this, like, Arteta complaining, saying this is a the worst disgrace in the 20 years he's been in England and all this shit. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because 
Kai Havertz should have rightfully gotten a red card, which you luckily escaped, and then none of that other stuff happens. Then you just win gracefully, or you lose gracefully with 10 men. Because, so like, to say that you got hard done by the refs, which, by the wall, by the way, the, the ball was most likely in bounds. And I think the refs even released a statement saying that the ball was in bounds, or that they, that that was the right call, and that the Havertz and the Bruno, the those should have been red cards. But it all started like Havertz's red card would have been the first thing that would have changed the game. So correct, yeah. Look, if, if they, in if they, the if same if, game, in the yeah, same they, game, you escaped a red card. So I don't yeah, want to hear. If, if the refs made the right call in that game, Havertz is gone. You're playing eleven v ten. The Bruno Gamares thing probably doesn't even happen. You, you can't yeah. look at the decisions afterwards. And the the goal was a fifty fifty to me. Like, I think it was a foul, but. The ball was in play. There was an offside, and yeah, it probably should have been a foul because you got two hands in someone's back as you're going for the goal. Like to me, that's a foul anywhere else on the pitch. So I can kind of see why they're upset about that. But habits should have been sent off. That changes the whole dynamic of the game. Yeah, I don't. I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, like you said, they're they're very emotional, and your team reflects your coach. And when Arteta is too emotional, then they have. Big ups and uh, I, I think I think Arteta's feeling the pressure of needing to actually compete for the title based on the signings and the money that they've spent, right? Because I don't think they're a better team this year than they are last season. I think last season they started no. the season incredibly hot and that kind of carried them over into the title race towards the end of the season. It's Yeah, it was the emotion. Yeah, but to start the season like they have already, I don't think... Like, I don't think they're going to be a second-half team where they're going to go on a 10-game winning run at the end of the season. They're not that type of team, I don't think. So, for me, I don't see them being that. Spurs, Spurs, I looked at them and said, yeah, they potentially do because they're only playing once a week. But now with the injuries and the red card that they've got, they've got real serious problems right now in their team. And that's what it was always going to come down to with Spurs. But they're playing fantastic. They're a fantastic team. So... They'll drop off for me. It's, it, for me, right now, it still feels like Liverpool. Right, Liverpool have the most experience in title races with most of their with most of their players, like Salah and Van Dijk and Robertson and Alexander Arnold. Like for me, they're Allison, etc. So they've they've got the most. And on top of that, Klopp Klopp's a very very good manager, so he knows how and what to do in a title race, especially against Pep Guardiola. They've got the experience. I still don't. I, I, don't think, I, I still don't think they've got enough, so they'll they'll fall off towards the season. Like them drawing against Luton away is a terrible result, right? Like we look at us dropping three points against Wolves without Rodri and losing to Toulouse. Yeah, no, Toulouse. I don't look at him. He he's completely rotated his lineup. Like that 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 can happen, right? And they kind of already threw for the Europa League, so they're not too worried about that. But you can't go to Luton Town and lose, right? Their, their level's below championship, right? They're a very, very poor team. Um, yeah, I... When it comes to Spurs, I think it's going to... The real question's going to be how they recover from a setback, right? Because everything's been good up until now. And now they have Van de Ven, who's been their best center back. He's been incredible He's a very good player. He's a very, very good player. He's going to be out, I think, for a couple months, it looks like. and Minimum six weeks, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, minimum six weeks. Okay, hamstring injury, so he's going to be out. Christian Romero got a straight red, so that's three games. He'll be out for the City game. So who are your center backs? Eric Dyer and who? I, I don't even know. So I think I think Dyer and can't remember the other guy's name. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that they, they yeah. don't have they don't have much options. So I think it's going like I think after they got subbed off, like Hoybeard went and played center back. Like they're it's going to be tough for them. And I it's going I'm interested to see how they handle this adversity when not everything is perfect, right? Because so far, it's like everybody's in good form, new coach, the style. It looks great, but, you know, it's not perfect throughout the yeah. season. We they, all they, know they, that. It No yeah. season's perfect. So they've um, got it's going to be how they handle this now. They've even got Richarlison out for, uh, for a few months as well. So I mean, not like, a lot of- he hasn't really done a whole lot for them anyway. But, like, it's, it's, James yeah, Madison option, may have come off injured, but we don't know. But, like... Yeah. You know, these guys are eventually not going to be in top form all the time. And it's going to be how Tottenham navigate that. If they drop points or how many points they drop, that kind of stuff. We we already know, essentially, from Liverpool, that they are the ones that at least have the coach and have some of the players that have challenged us for multiple years, right? Because that takes a lot. Like... That is mentally a place that no other team has gone other than Liverpool, where they have challenged us with 90-plus points for multiple years. And, I like, another team essentially just needs to prove to me that they could do that for many years. Arsenal is going to need to prove that they can build on what they did next year and not regress because it's that's incredibly hard. I also I just don't think Liverpool has what it takes to compete with City this year either. I don't think they have a good enough midfield and they, too many new players. And I honestly, like, Salah is still great. I don't think he's as good as he used to be. He's, you know, he's over 30 now, so he's going to regress a little bit when you're a very pacey winger. And I also think they just haven't replaced Sadio Mane's production. Like, Sadio Mane was legitimately one of the best players in the world for them, and I don't think Cody Gakpo Uh, or Darwin Nunez or Diogo Jota or Luis Diaz has has been able to replace that. I I think the most telling thing for me is when, you know, someone that's not a City fan asks me, like, you know, do you think you're going to win the league? And my answer is always this. The only thing that will derail City is Man City. Right. Yep. If we get if we Absolutely. get enough if we get enough injuries or you know things go wrong with our team etc. That is the only time I see us dropping dropping this title. Sorry, I cannot see us losing this title without like like if like, let's say tomorrow Rodri gets a season ending surgery whatever right. That to me is the only way we're losing the title. Right. It's something like that drastic. With our team right now, I don't think anyone has an even cl- like. You look at 2019, 20, you know, the seasons that we competed very close with Liverpool. Every season going in, you could say, yeah, each team can win, right? They're both good enough to win the title. I don't look at anyone this season and go, yeah, they're good enough to win the title. 
it's cities to lose. And that's the honest, hard truth. So really, the only thing that's going to derail us, injuries. Otherwise, we should be winning this title. I was hoping we'd, we'd wrap up the title early, but, you know, those two losses kind of set us back. So <laughs> It honestly wouldn't surprise me that we haven't even gotten to the winter time, and usually that's when the league is won. Like, normally, yep. this is like the winter time is for when teams really run away with the league. It's in the winter when yep. you have a lot of fixtures it's, in a short a, period yeah. of time. It's after the international break, right? So as soon as we come out of the international break, like I said, we've got three really tough games. Um, Liverpool, Tottenham and Aston Villa away. So you start off with nine out of nine on those. I'd say we're on, we're on our way to, to wrap this title up by February, March. That we're, we're yeah. a bit clear that City are winning the title. And Yeah, because if it's and, February and you're up over 10 points, 12 points, and you're over. City, yeah. then every everybody's going to know it's over at that point too. Yeah. That's the other thing is I think City have gotten to the point where other teams are sort of scared. Like, they're scared if City is hunting them from behind, but then also that you like you sort of subconsciously give up when you're like, yeah. oh shit. It's February and City's twelve points ahead. There's no way we're catching them. Yeah. So as soon as City got up like six or seven, eight points, yeah. The the mentality of every team. Like you could see how Arsenal crumbled last season just by us being within a point of them. They started panicking and they started losing their heads in games, get too got got too emotional. And you can see this season is already with Arteta losing his head over every every single decision, you know, the way he was losing at three minutes into the community shield. Like those things, it's a long season. It's a marathon. All right. So like I said, the only thing that the rest is ourselves. Kevin De, once Kevin De Bruyne and Stones are back mid-December, you know, <laughs> you're looking at an even better city team, right? And Doku, Gavardia, all these type of players are going to improve. Holland, Holland has, by his standards, had a had a a bad start by his standards, right? So he could even hit better form, and then suddenly he's scoring everything that he hits, like he usually does, and then it becomes impossible to beat us when he's playing like that. So we're giving everyone a chance right now. <laughs> we're giving him hope. Yep, let, absolutely. Let, let let Miguel Delaney write his um article that no one can compete with City in February instead of um November. You know, just delay the delay earlier, the, the earlier the better. <laughs> so yeah, let's wrap it up on that. Um, yep, it was a great chat. It was you know we covered a lot to talk about. Yeah, lots to talk about. But we'll, we'll be back after the after the Chelsea game to review that, and I think I think we'll talk a little bit more on this title race and how we feel about it in the international break um, and looking ahead, you know, maybe a surprise pep extension in November like he usually does. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. I'll uh, we'll catch you guys later. See y'all. See ya. Bye.